With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back to ESSR Central here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We don't sound as good as we have in recent weeks. That's because our shiny new studio is is not available this week. And I blame one man. It's my first guest this evening. It's Stephen Wilson. Stephen, we invite you to One Central and everything goes tits up. I know, Ross. I'm sorry. I forgot to play the, pay the rent this week. So <laughs> Ryan, Ryan cut me off. Uh, I've paid them double to hopefully get a return to the studio next week. Uh, but as Ryan, so he might have just pocketed it and spent it on something. <laughs> Ruining mine and Gary's uh, pre-show pints. Gary, Gary, you join us again. Nice to see you. No problem. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm still having pre-show pints. Just on my own this week. <laughs> I'm in my pyjama bottoms eating Haribo. It's a very different atmosphere this week. <laughs> And David Hockney joins us again for the second week in a row to give us all the rundown in the Listeners League after a full week of scoring. Yeah, damn right. We're going to be uh, explaining the new concept behind our Listeners League Cup and we'll go through our top rankings for the week. Uh, But for all the detailed analysis, you can check it out on Saturday Draft Live, which comes out every Saturday. We're going to go to that, Dave. It's called Synergy. But anyway... <laughs> yeah, had to get the plug in. listen to more of these shows, including Saturday Draft Live, our massive back catalogue is available on iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. Just search Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. And, of course, if you want to get involved in the conversation, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it, at Suplex Retweet. But, anyway, you couple of draft bastards. Let's talk about... <laughs> <laughs> the, the night that shakes everything up uh, something so big now that it requires two nights no we're not talking Wrestlemania we're talking the WWE draft taking place last night on Monday Night Raw Monday the 1st and taking place on April 28th over on Smackdown let's just have a quick rundown of some of the big picks over on uh, Friday Night Smackdown First pick, the wise man, Solo Sokoa, and the undisputed Universal Champion, Roman Reigns, being the first pick for Friday Night Smackdown, meaning they retain 
the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship, World Heavyweight Championship going to Raw. Cody Rhodes, first pick for Monday Night Raw. Uh, and let's talk about these two first guys because we we talked about Roman going one way, Cody going the other, but also hoping that Cody doesn't end up on the brand with the new title because we don't want it to seem like a consolation prize, Stephen. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I, 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 part of me thought the two of them were going to go on the one brand, but the fact that they were both first picks completely threw that out of the water on night one. Uh, yeah, it's a, in one way it's a good way to kind of keep the path separate to keep the, the journey going and to make sure they're as far apart because I think the rumour is they're going to meet again next year at WrestleMania. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, keep Cody away from that new belt. I think Cody actually said last night that he his goal is to get that world that Universal Heavyweight title from Roman and not the U-Belt. So they've kind of wiped that right away. So hopefully he's kept well away from that for as long as possible. And uh, David, some some troubles in the bloodline as we've obviously seen on TV, but the wise man solo and Roman going as one pick. The Usos having to wait till night two to be drafted. Also still on SmackDown, but uh, ironically lower down considering last year's story was Paul Heyman being told you better make sure the Usos are with us. Mm. Yeah, it's, there doesn't seem to be much focus on trying to have the whole bloodline as a as a five person faction now. Even though we've seen you know stables of three to five people uh, be drafted across both nights, which is it's pretty insane to think about how you can draft so many people at once. But then again, we did the same with uh, Retribution a couple of years back. But it does sort of tease the idea that there's still some ongoing dissension within the bloodline. And it's just little minor tweaks like that. You make you think, okay, we're splitting the the roster up into different talent pools. And, you know, some stables might be separate from each other. But it, it, I suppose in a way the Usos have stood out on their own as a tag team for the best part of, what, two and a half years, having the longest tag title reign. But I think for the more astute of us, you sort of, who sort of like read into things a lot more. This does, I think, tease, you know, a further progression in the the cracked bloodline story. So I like that they added those those little touches to it, but still keeping with draft consistency. And Gary to round out a uh, night one's first round picks. Becky Lynch going to Raw and something I hate. The switching of championships, which now seems inevitable, Bianca Belair, Raw Women's Champion, to SmackDown. Yeah, it seems that the women's championships are interchangeable. It seems that it's going to this is just going to happen regularly. Now, um, the tactic this goes back all the way to the first draft when uh, it was a key negotiation or strategy. Uh, to get the champions on your on your show, which we seem to play out a little bit in night two as well, but then sort of fell away a little bit uh, as as it went on. So in some ways, it makes sense to try and draft as many champions to your show as possible. But yes, the women's uh, championship, the hot potatoing of the Raw and the SmackDown championship, I don't like. If we're going to do that, they may as well just look at rebranding the titles like like has happened with the men's title where they've never been show specific. Although in saying that, I do quite like the Raw champion and the SmackDown champion. I don't like the interchangeable aspect of it. Apart from that, Ross, there's a lot about this draft that I did like in terms of the execution of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's some we'll get to that in our big question as well because we are. I'm going to be asking you guys best picks for both brands and who do we feel could be a bit of a flop and who do we think could be a bit of a bit of a dark horse for a surprise. But on night two, the round one picks were. As we mentioned, those women's championships are so interchangeable. Rhea Ripley going to Raw from SmackDown. The United States champion Austin Theory going in round one, which I found surprising. Charlotte mm-hmm. Flair also going to SmackDown. And Seth freaking Rollins, uh, currently the favourite for that new World Heavyweight Championship, drafted to Monday Night Raw. Yeah. This is where the strategy point that I was touching on a second ago, because you're drafting Seth Rollins and Charlotte Flair undoubtedly some of the biggest stars in this draft, but you still got the tag champions in this draft, both the men's and the women's champions. Surely you would expect them to be first-round picks if you were going after champions. It took a while to get the women's tag picks on uh, yeah, night two. They went, they went in round three. Mm-hmm. I mean, they must have been watching... Uh, our draft a couple of weeks ago and picking the LWO in round two, I mean, taking a, book, a play out of David Hockley's book and getting them quite I mean, it just goes to show, you know, how how they prioritise their stars, you know, just because a champ, just because you've got a champion that's up for grabs doesn't necessarily mean they're going to light your show on fire. I mean, just look at, you know, as you mentioned, Seth Rollins, Charlotte Flair, both going round one. Both of them may not be champions at the minute, but they're, both influential superstars and they're both big name superstars and that's what's going to draw people to their shows and that's this is sort of gets the network thinking uh into the minds of the fans a little bit in the same way that you know Cody Rhodes was the second selection overall and Becky Lynch was the second female overall it just goes to show you know these are the names that you know the networks want to be associated with their shows so that it gives the reason the fans to tune in to see these people. And because, I mean, it actually didn't surprise me that the women's tag champions were drafted so far down the list, given that, well, WWE hasn't had a lot of focus on its women's tag division as of yet. And it's not like where it was Sasha and Bailey from 2020, who they basically ran both shows. Like they would have been drafted so damn highly. In this case, though, it just feels like a bit of a damp squib. Yet again, when it comes to prioritising women's picks. I'll let you in in a wee sec, Gary. But just, as you mentioned there, David, the the women's tag champion's going quite low. However, there was quite a a priority in drafting women's tag teams. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, both the number one contenders and the tag champions from NXT coming up to Raw. uh, Damage control remaining together. So hopefully going forward, there is the building blocks of a women's tag team division, but I'll let you come in now, Gary. Well, I was just going to say, in defence of the women's tag team champions, they were drafted ahead of what the the legendary Trish Stratus, who was a fourth-round pick, of all things. <laughs> now, one has to ask if, uh, if Mustafa Ali can be a free agent and go wherever he wants. Surely the legendary Trish Stratus deserves to be... <laughs> Um, treated with a, a little bit more respect. Well, you, you mentioned that there, uh, Gary. Round two of night one, SmackDown picks Edge, the Hall of Famer, as well. Um, and I'm just looking, just some things that I don't think make sense because you look at 
uh, round one. And Roman going with his posse to one show, Cody the other, no qualms. Bianca and Becky, possibly the two biggest women. So the two biggest yep. male stars and the two biggest women stars going first round. Yep. Intercontinental champion going second, uh, first for Raw in the second round. Again, no qualms with that. But why would you pick the Street Profits ahead of Edge? And why would you pick Matt Riddle ahead of, in the next round, well, the next round, round three, Bobby Lashley and the OC, all four of them going to SmackDown, Drew McIntyre and The Miz going to Raw. Some of it, this is why we need the authority figures, I think, back, Stephen, just to to give a bit of sense, because it's times you could maybe, you know, uh, back in 2018, Daniel Bryan um, got The Miz drafted back to Raw, uh, to SmackDown before stepping down so they could start the rivalry against each other. That made sense because he wanted to get his hands on him. But, and as me and Gary was talked about previously, Ric Flair and McMahon taking tag picks off each other just to spite one another. This is where you need the sort of on-screen authority figures to make a bit of sense of things. I mean, round two on uh, night one uh, had one of the people announcing the picks was Rob Van Dam, and there's a picture going about of his, uh, of his car. <laughs> so, clearly, he's there meant to be some. There may have been something there that's just been he's just picked names randomly because he's been that high. I mean, yeah, I'm a bit. I would have thought the authority figures would have made more sense, but I did at least like that they had some of the legends come in and do it, as opposed to just in previous years you just have like maybe one person, maybe it's like, well, it used to be Stephanie McMahon in some years. It yeah, could have Sonya been Triple Bell H. and Adam Pearce last year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was just essentially the one, time. it was essentially mm-hmm. the kind of same people just reading them out. So they at least had this factor. Yeah. And yeah, it was quite good, I thought, with the round four on SmackDown, where essentially Road Dog, or the, or the two of them, it was two NXT picks, it was the two women's NXT champions. And Sean that plays it a blinder, just his reaction when Indy Hartwell's name gets read by Road Dog. He's like, <laughs> whoever, by the way, whoever decided that Shawn Michaels was going to come out first in Texas last night, and then Adam Pierce had to follow him. They done Adam Pierce dirty last night. Adam Pierce. I did also enjoy the legends coming out to help with the presentation of it. Brilliant to see Eric Bischoff. Uh, appear on on Raw again. I was puzzled when Teddy Long, who was the longest serving SmackDown general yeah. manager, reads out the Raw picks. Surely mm. that's putting a wolf into sheep's clothing. Yeah, I know because oh. they had um, they'd R- RVD do SmackDown, I believe, and he was only very briefly on SmackDown. No, he, he, he did Raw on night one. I don't know how he did last night. I've not seen the last night's one. And it like it made sense for JBL to be doing um SmackDown, longest reigning SmackDown champion, blah blah blah. But mm. then pair him with someone else then. Like <laughs> don't bring out the SmackDown GM as you said, Gary. But um I'm just gonna talk about some of Night One's NXT call-ups, guys, because um, quite a few to get through, so we'll, we'll do them in uh, one, uh, two different batches, night one and night two. So on night one, the NXT Women's Tag Champions, Alba File and Isla Dawn, going to SmackDown, while Indy Hartwell goes to Raw. 
Uh, on the SmackDown Lowdown, we had Zoe Stark, JD McDonough, Apollo Crews going to Raw, uh, and Von Wagner declaring himself as a free agent. So <laughs> I was trying not to laugh at that, and then I heard all you laugh, but yes. Um, <laughs> Why is Von Wagner still employed? The guy is as charismatic as a wet paper bag. Yeah, I know. Because come Tuesday, he will have you. <laughs> <laughs> you delivered that with more more ferocity than him. But um, <laughs> one of the ones that sticks out to me here is um, what I'll go with one that I don't really care about and one that I'm excited to see how it goes. Apollo Crews, we've seen him go Raw, SmackDown, NXT, back again. I, a very impressive physical specimen and very good athlete. However, not someone people buy into. Whereas JD McDonough, if he's booked correctly on Monday Night Raw, I think this could be a sleeper pick for Monday Night Raw. Mm. Definitely. I mean, Apollo Crews' only decent run, I think, was when he was um, sort of the Nigerian prince gimmick, yeah. and he was, uh, and he put on that really thick accent alongside Commander Aziz. At least he had a decent run as a heel and as Intercontinental Champion. I think it's probably not a good type of gimmick, David. You know, there's a lawsuit about that gimmick. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware of that. Yeah, it's the. It was the only time you showed any personality, though. Yeah, today's point. Mm. It's the only time that you really seen any personality yeah. in the Apollo Crews. I mean, he could have he could have done that gimmick without the accent, and it still would have worked. I just don't I don't see why it had to have a little bit of a uh, little bit of slightly racist undertones to it. But you know, that's that's a different story for another time. JD McDonough, though, I reckon I think you might be right, Ross. I think he could potentially be a sleeper pick. Um, for, for Raw, especially if Triple H is very high on him like he was in NXT UK. As, I think he just needs to translate that character over in a way that makes him stand out from the crowd because there is a very real danger that I think if his personality is not big enough, there is a chance he could get lost in the shuffle. But I have every confidence that Triple H will get him on the right path and you know hopefully maybe at least make him mid-card champion at some point. Well, there is obviously that uh, rivalry with Finn Balor, which, Gary, you and I saw at uh, the first TakeOver Blackpool for NXT UK. So mm -hmm. if they wanted to run that back again, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, before we move on, let's talk about Night 2's NXT picks. Katana Chance and Caden Carter uh, going to Raw. Cameron Grimes, the, the lesser spotted Cameron Grimes, <laughs> going to SmackDown. Uh, Indushare, along with Jinder Mahal, coming back up to Monday Night Raw. Dave, just in time for that World Heavyweight Championship tournament. Get to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Odyssey Jones, also going to Monday Night uh, Raw. Grayson Waller going to SmackDown. I think that could be a sleeper pick. Zion Quinn declaring himself a free agent. And just on the... On uh, you know my team Indy Hartwell Jesus couldn't get her name there on Indy Hartwell's <laughs> night one draft uh, status Johnny Gargano Dexter Loomis and Candice LeRae all drafted to Monday Night Raw so we could see a return of the way 
uh, from NXT as well. Night two for me, Grayson Wall on Cameron Grimes, even if you just put them in a feud straight away on SmackDown together, I think they could do well, but I I give it about eight weeks before Odyssey Jones is back in NXT. Yeah. Everybody's, mm-hmm. ta- everybody's talking about how Johnny Gargano shouldn't have been drafted in the supplementary draft after Raw. Grayson Waller, surely if you're going to pick an NXT pick on the main show, he's the easy one. But no, they yeah. kind of leave it to after the show. He has this big, yeah, yeah, he cuts a promo. Like, on, he's, he's nearly greeting, but yet he still cuts amazing heel promo. The guy is money. But no, mm. they just, some of the people that drafted ahead of him for SmackDown in particular, it's quite bad. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Like, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn, you know, you watch their reaction from the performance center. I mean, they're supposed to be heels, but the reaction was really, really wholesome. You know, they were hugging each other, they were greeting their eyes out it was it felt like such a genuine reaction but Grayson Waller fair play to him he stayed in character but you could tell deep down he was thrilled at the prospect of being called up yeah and it does mean as well sorry on you go Gary we've got 18 picks coming in total out of NXT so it'll be really interesting to see what actually that means for NXT because that is a huge chunk of their of their mm. roster away. And actually, some of these people were not at the end of their NXT run. Alba Fire and Isla Dawn, for example. But you look at the, the folk that have been given the big spotlight on the TV show. We've got Alba Fire and Isla Dawn, Indy Hartwell on SmackDown. And then over on uh, Raw the other night, you've got Pretty Deadly, Cameron Grimes. No problem with either of those two. I think they're really deserving of it. But Stephen's point. When you put Grayson Waller into the supplementary draft and you choose to highlight Caden Chance and Caden Carter, I always struggle not to use their original names of Casey Catanzaro mm-hmm. and Lacey. Um, the fact that you highlight them in this way, I find is interesting. Yeah, I find it interesting that um, before selecting... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Rick Boogs and Cameron Grimes and Pretty Deadly, SmackDown chose to pick Shotzi as a TV pick. That, that for uh, me... Somebody's lost a bet there, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, and you could put some meat on the table. Yeah. <laughs> and then even when you get into the draft, Tamina went before Grayson Waller. But um, I suppose it does give... Grayson Waller a bit of a bit of a chip on his shoulder and works into his character. So hey ho, we will see how it goes. Um but yeah, that was the draft. Uh, I'll come back to you guys asking best, worst, and in between. I think I've made mine pretty clear there. <laughs> where we do question and discuss the social media answers to who do we think should be the first world heavyweight champion. Um so Let's move to AEW. 
Let's talk about AEW and mm, All In in Wembley Stadium. Guys, we got our tickets today. Yes. Big, big day for AEW. Big, big day indeed. It looks like over 35,000 tickets have sold in the pre-sale alone. Uh, whether the, the upward trajectory can continue there, however, it looks like on my social media feeds, everyone who's a wrestling fan is going at this point. And it looks like it is going to be the entire British wrestling community descending on Wembley uh, come the end of August. Um, so we talked about um, last week, we, we talked about all things CM Punk. He showed up at Monday Night Raw. He apparently showed up at Impact Wrestling, who were taping in Chicago yeah. this week. Punk doing the <laughs> Punk doing his catering world tour. It seems just <laughs> seeing, <laughs> seeing what food each guy does, seeing if those muffins are still available. But yeah, he showed back up at Impact Wrestling. Um, it's rumored that the show that called Collision, which will feature CM Punk, uh, Saturday Slam Down. You mean? You Saturday slam down. Saturday slam down. Yes. Right. <laughs> we'll sell it for, to them for an upgrade in a tour of Wembley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Saturday slam down, previously known as Collision, uh, will feature FBR <laughs> and CM Punk as the the main features, while uh, Rampy, uh, sorry, Dynamite will con- uh, continue to feature the Elite. According to Conrad Thompson, it looks like AEW will be paid fifty-two million for this new show, and it's one of the guys. Oh, yeah. in the chats, one of the guys in the chat, Stephen said, "That is CM Punk money." I mean, if it, if it means that we don't get to see Dark and Elevation again, then it's a win for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's uh, we, we have questioned. Many people have questioned like, why do AW need another program? And as it's been mentioned, they've got Dark Elevation on a Monday, they've got Dark on a Tuesday, Dynamite Wednesday, Ring of Honor on a Thursday. Some people watch Rampage on a Friday. Don't don't tell me who. And then they've got this usual on a Saturday. It's a bold move, but if you got that much money on the table, you'd be daft not to take it. It's a fantastic business move. At the end of the day. I just hope if they, when it starts that maybe they do scale down in some of these other programs a wee bit because we've seen it's and another aspect as well they probably need to bring in more bodies backstage to help with the booking aspect of these shows. That's six shows a week I've mentioned. If you put it all in perspective, Tony Khan also runs the Jags. He runs Fulham. He cannot book six wrestling shows a week and do them all effectively. We've seen how bad Rampage has struggled in the last 18 months. I challenge that, Stephen. I was watching Cocaine Bear the other night, and I think anything is possible now. (laughs) (laughs) Do not not disc Cocaine Bear. Oh, no, I loved it. That's a masterpiece of cinema. (laughs) Also, just a more serious point, a challenge. £52 million is obviously a serious, serious money, and it's a big TV contract, and we've... Speculated the last two weeks in this show, Ross. Why have AEW done it? Somebody give us a good reason. We speculated it was because of the money. We now know what the figure is. I don't think this is a great business decision, but in the short to medium term, uh, it might be a good long term strategy. But from where they are now, I think there's going to, you know, this is going to put a serious strain on the company. There'll need to be some serious front end investment 
into infrastructure uh, to get them into the place they need to be to to deliver the show. I was listening to Eric Bischoff's podcast the other day. I've actually just got Eric Bischoff's new book delivered, which I'm going to start reading this week. <laughs> uh, his new book, Grateful. Um, he described CM Punk on that podcast when asked uh, about him appearing at, uh, at um, SmackDown. Sorry. He described CM Punk as a piece of garbage and also echoed the points we were making here that this is clear, was clearly a cynical ploy to get some attention as is him appearing at Impact Wrestling. But despite all of that, a massive day for AEW. They've pretty much sold out the allocation they put on sale today. The only seats that appear to be left at this point in time seem to be in the upper tier, tier five at Wembley, the sort of 25, 30 pound ticket mark. We'll see what happens tomorrow. And they've got about 19 pre-sales going on. So we've got pre-sale tomorrow and then public sale on Friday. I still have some doubts. I've heard folk in other places, even Bischoff and Conrad Thompson were talking about this. There's the assumption that everybody in priest that the registered for access to tickets is going to try and buy tickets and going to try and buy multiple tickets that is flawed logic there's people that have registered for that out of interest that won't commit to doing it all of us registered to it and actually only two of us actually went in to buy tickets because we bought them for one another so on that logic people would be looking at our nine registration thinking there's going to be 18 ticket sales where actually there was two people that bought nine tickets Mm-hmm. If that sort of multiplier effect happens throughout, you'll have a much smaller percentage of the people that register do it. But a fantastic, utterly fantastic up uh, uptake today. Probably the biggest revenue day in AEW history. We'll see what happens as the week progresses for the rest of the sales. But in terms of your marketing, you'll have, surely to goodness, they're going to have some big announcements to follow in the weeks to keep the interest and to spur in ticket sales and to convert those cash because today's the hardcore the loyal fans the british wrestling community as you refer to ross that bought the tickets it's on friday onwards where you'll get the casual audience buying tickets where they're going to really need to to focus on so dave on uh, gary's point there about them needing to continue with more surprises and you know continue to build uh, from the Wrestling Observer the past weekend, uh, AW Collision slash Super Slamdown uh, will debut in, on June 17th in Chicago. And apparently that's when CM Punk's going to return. Uh, Wrestling Observer adds that there's expected to be another major name or return as well. Uh, and that Chris Jericho and Punk will be the first feud when Punk returns. I don't know. Um, First off, I'm, I'm just going to say this before I bring you in, uh, David. Remember when everyone slagged Triple H for like clinging on to NXT as the cool thing? You know what I mean? Like, oh, he's mm-hmm. just going be, he's going to be part of something cool. Yeah, he didn't main event NXT or sake. You know, he accepted right. his limitations. I think it's time Chris Jericho accepts his too. But <laughs> from the article I was reading. It looks like rumoured uh, rumoured names for that show could either be 
Mercedes Monet slash Sasha Banks, or, and I know Gary doesn't want it, Stephen doesn't want it, I very much want it, Goldberg. Uh, well, just just like I said there, I'm not sure I want a Goldberg return for uh, for the first Collision show. But oh, Goldberg, I will be come on, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but I will. Ex- I mean, I think we we will acknowledge that CM Punk is likely to appear, especially if it's in Chicago and it's a brand new show. They're forking out all this money for him. You know, as Gary quoted, you know, this is CM Punk level of money they're investing in this new show, but. There's, there's not to say, you know, there isn't wiggle room, you know, for a, a top female star. And, you know, with Mercedes Monet's contract status in Japan a little bit up in the air, although she has claimed she's going to be living in Japan for a while, that might throw a bit of a wrench in the works if she decides to come over to the AEW. But the surprise factor certainly is there when it comes to AEW launching a new show or if they're doing a, a pay-per-view because... Remember one night, I think we got both Adam Cole and Brian Danielson making their AEW yeah. debuts in the one night. I mean, that was big enough in itself. I mean, just imagine what they could do between the launch of Collision and what could possibly happen at, at Wembley in August time. Now, albeit that's a fair bit away, uh, like three months or so, and anything can happen between now and then. So, But I actually am quite anticipated for the uh, the surprise factor especially if they're splitting up the roster to make it a bit more manageable in terms of talent, where to watch your favourites and, you know, who's going to be running the whole thing. And to your point about Chris Jericho, you know, headlining a show, but also running it when he's practically on the verge of retirement. I mean, the, the comparison is there, you know, when you think of Triple H running Black and Gold NXT, you know, yeah, sure, he latched onto it, you know, for being cool. But as a fan of Black and Gold NXT, it was arguably the best product in wrestling at the time because he took the time and the effort to invest in the new talent rather than, you know, flaunting his his physique, his long hair and his big nose around. You know, it was more just to focus on the talent and build the storylines around that. And that's what made it successful. If they can do something similar with AEW, they sh- they're certainly, um, certainly in a good position. The problem with Jericho is it doesn't seem... When he's doing these things, the only people who really benefit from it is Jericho. I mean, Jericho's fresh off of a feud with Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks did win the final match of the feud at pay-per-view. But if you look currently, Chris Jericho is in a high-profile feud, or one that's kind of closing out shows in the main, in the main place with like Adam Cole, Broderick Strong, like, maybe spoil something now. Uh, the, the likes of these guys, are he's involved with that. While as Ricky Starks is relegated to Rampage, teaming with Sean Spears against mm-hmm. uh, Jay White, who should have debuted with a bigger fanfare, but he's now teaming with Juice Robinson on Rampage. So that's the problem with that. In terms of the the talk about a big debut for AEW, even though I mentioned the fact that they, run, they could be running six shows a week, do they really need to bring in another body when they've got so many people who are either not getting utilised or are being utilised very sporadically. A great example of the House of Black. House of Black won the six-man tag team titles at the last pay-per-view. Or hot as anything, everybody was loving what they were seeing from them. When was the last time House of Black had a sustained run on TV? 
Again, feeding back to Rampage, the only person from the House of Black that was on that show or any of the big AEW shows last week was Julia Hart for about 30 seconds. You've got... I think... Sorry, you go. Yeah, you've just got... Yeah, you've got so many people like that. Just utilise the guys more that are getting the, the, the time. And for God's sake... Stop letting Matt Hardy on TV doing whatever the hell he wants. This is the problem, though, isn't it? The AW saying big free agents and they book them appallingly and they become Mm. just another guy. Actually, Jay White's a really good example of that. He is on that trajectory. He's not come in and is not on course to be a star. You mentioned Chris Jericho, Starks. If the legend is going to put people over. What you do with that person next is really, really important. And that's where you need your logical booking to to kick in and not just um not just forget about them. Because actually mm-hmm. within a few weeks it's it's meaningless. The, it's the, meaningless. The great it's, example is the um see the Keith Lee Swerve Scott or Swerve Strickland feud. Mm-hmm. They've kind of ran that to death, to which point there's now nobody gives a feck about either the two of them really. I'll I'll move us from Jericho. Yeah, I'll move I'll move us from Jericho because we could run that well dry. But what I would say is that has been a a thing that has happened a lot in Jericho's career. When you look at the likes of Evan Bourne, Fandango, oh, I put these guys over. Yeah, what happened next? Nothing. And um, but let's talk about Roddy Strong. Roddy Strong uh, returning. To wrestling, Roddy Strong returning to all elite. <laughs> David, I know you're excited as an undisputed era guy. Um, yes. Adam Cole is a game changing signing. Adam Cole is like Shawn Michaels jumping ship from WWE to go to WCW. <laughs> Roderick Strong is like X Pac jumping ship. It's, it's nice to see them back together, but would anyone give a fuck mm. if he wasn't there? No. No, it's, he's I very think- much. Um, very much X Factor esque with the diamond mine, <laughs> and um, but <laughs> he came in like a house on fire. It surprised a lot of us because we discussed uh, Roderick Strong and Cameron Grimes as potential draft picks for the draft. It turns out his his deal had quietly ended with his wife being over in AEW. Although you'd be forgiven for not noticing that. <laughs> um, it made sense for him to go over there. Um, so, yeah, nice to see Roderick Strong back. Hopefully they don't mm. let me in a break anytime soon. Oh, listen, I'm just happy that, you know, that all four Undisputed Era guys are now back under one banner, yep. even if no, it no, is no, the 20 no. banner. Bobby Bobby's, left. Bobby's gone. Oh, is he off? Bobby yeah. left Bobby, Bobby last year. Oh, Bobby, Bobby burnt his bridges something awful. Bobby tried to get back to Triple H. She was the one that was trying to get everybody to go back to NXT, WWE. Bobby burnt his bridges, left, went to TNA, failed miserably, had one match with Josh Alexander, got injured and then left there. (laughs) Um, I mean, well, they can still do a trio's uh, Undisputed Era style of when Kyle O'Reilly comes back, you know, from his time away, you know, I think he went on paternity leave for a while, but then he had to deal with a neck injury as well. But I'm 
I mean, I know it was fantasy booking ahead of time. You know, we discussed this briefly in our chat before we went on air. But if they could stretch, if they could just stretch the Jericho Adam Caulfield all the way up to Wembley, I would have loved to have seen a Jericho Appreciation Society versus Undisputed Era six man tag match. I... Like, if I see, if I at least see the three of them tagging in a six man tag at Wembley, I could die a happy man. The three of them tagging at Wembley is amazing. Like Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Roderick Strong and Adam Cole would love to see it. I do not want to see it wasted on Jake Hager and the the 2.0 guys. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still puzzled as to why they're there. And a company that has mm-hmm. Ara Devari and Tony Nese, they are still the most useless people there. But we mentioned, <laughs> right. we mentioned House of Black. Hold on, hold on. We mentioned House of Black, and them coming in like a like winning and being hot as anything. The House of Black versus, uh, well, we can't call them the Undisputed Era. We'll call them UE. Um, the House of Black versus <laughs> UE. Um, I think that would be absolutely sensational, and it would certainly, much like the Elite versus the House of Black, elevated those six man titles. This would certainly do that as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I'm all for a House of Black uh, trio's title matches, and you know, all three members of Undisputed Era can be tag champions at the same time. But if I was to one up that, I would like to see them go up against the Elite as well. Undisputed Era versus Kenny Omega and the Bucks. If we don't get a House of Black trio's title matches, or if the Elite do regain the trio's titles from House of Black. Or if it's the other way around, maybe the elite could be the challengers. Either way, I want a six-person tag with Undisputed Era, the elite, or the House of Black. Any two out of the three, as long as one of them is UE, I'll be happy. I mean, what what, what could I sell you on uh, Big Cass, Ethan Page, and Lee Moriarty? <laughs> you could not sell. You could not give that to a charity shop. A firm sense of deletion right there. Oh, uh, deletion being the operative word. By the way, Matt Hardy, <laughs> you, you, that shtick was cool in Impact in 2016. You chased the money, you went to WWE, they bungled it, you fucked it, it's done. Move on. Uh, Move you know, you know on. You know, it's, you know it's bad when Michael Sidgwick from uh, what culture is slagging it, and he slags nothing from AEW, so that's how you know it's bad. <laughs> I know. Have you seen? Have you seen the video they put up? WWE releases a new world heavyweight title, and everyone hates it. Do they? That's a different story. That's a different story. We'll round up the AEW stuff here. Really excited to be going to London, guys. Really excited. I, all the all the chatter about CM Punk. I mentioned to Gary last week. CM Punk will be on this show as a talking point until. CM Punk reappears. That's just the sort of presence he has. Um, but yeah, looking forward to see how AEW starts to build towards the Wembley show. We have, 
We have we have three months. Quickly, Ross. We have three months to teach Gary uh, uh, how to sing Tarzan Boy. I've got to listen to you guys now. I'm thinking I'm going to contact Ticketmaster and ask for my money back. <laughs> You're not exactly sold this this AEW oh. show to me. Uh, I told you, I told you, you we're going to be there. What more do you want? <laughs> I've seen where you've got seats as well, Gary. You know, if you're happy to trade, I'll happily, you know, <laughs> trade you my ticket for your spot. But, um, let's move on to our listeners' league portion of the show. Saturday draft live uh, every Saturday for in-depth analysis of our in-house draft involving all of our podcast regulars and the listeners' league with uh, with any everyone and anyone. If you want to get involved next season. Keep an eye on our social media feed, usually at the end of every Big Four pay-per-view. So keep an eye after SummerSlam and you can join next season. If you win the Listeners League, you get to join our main in-house um, main in-house draft and see if you can beat all of these talking heads. But anyway, <laughs> I'll let Dave, Stephen, I mean, if one mathematician wasn't rock and roll enough last week, We've got two mathematicians Ooh. this week. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is the part where me and Gary crack open an energy drink because <laughs> David, just can't keep up with these two cool cats. David Campbell throws <laughs> his phone away in an absolute rage because we are going to discuss the listeners' league. Yeah, and we're going to start off with the introduction of our new listeners' league cup. Now, last season for WrestleMania, we had a simple um, knockout tournament format where the listeners' league competitors would be paired against each other, and whoever had the highest score at the end of a particular week would move on to the next round. Finals obviously taking place at WrestleMania. That was won by former winner Matt Smith, who is currently in our Contributors League. And But in the overall rankings, Ross Brady was the highest scorer overall, so he also is in our Contributors League uh, this time around. But the Listeners League Cup this season is going to be a little bit different. We did briefly discuss it on Saturday Draft Live before. And what we're going to be doing is a Champions League format uh, style of cup. So we were very pleased to have exactly 32 participants in our, in our season this time around. And they've all been split into eight groups of four. Uh, so... Just to, I'll run through the groups fairly quickly. So if your name gets read out, you'll know who you're paired with. Uh, this is for all our, our listeners here. Okay. So in group we'll one, we the, have... Leave the, full, leave the full groups for Saturday Draft Live and we can go into that more. Just give us the lowdown and give us some of the big scorers coming out of, of this week. Mm-hmm. Some of the some of the big scorer yep. wrestlers and how many... How, give us our top three at the top of the listeners league mm-hmm. table this week. Okay, top three. Um, so our top three is actually a, a top four because we do have a tie, a three-way tie for second place. Mike Nunn and the Sports Entertainers, Johnny Adam and Bam Bam Gigolo, David Collins and the McMahon Quad Squad, all joint second with 35 points apiece, uh, all scoring Mike, Mike Nunn, the biggest scorer of the three so far, with 25 points overall. But... Top of the table, who's just one point ahead, is Simon with Riddle Me This. Quite a a very tight league, uh, listeners' league so far in terms of top scoring. But in terms of the uh, the, the listeners' league cup, uh, 
the highest scorer at the minute is actually Mike Angus. Oh, no, sorry, Simon once again with 27, and then Mike Angus is just behind him on 26. So though everybody in their groups are going to be facing each other. You get three points to the player with the most points at the end of one week, uh, zero to the other. If it's a draw, it'll be one point each. Uh, and the two in each group with the most points after six, uh, after the first six weeks, will go through to the knockout stage, which will take place following the transfer window. If two players have the same points, uh, the tiebreaker will be decided by overall score. And that's where our uh, overall rankings come in. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting one because it means that if people are doing rubbish in the league, they still have a chance to do well in the cup uh, because it's all based on weekly score. You could have six crappy weeks, but then you have your one good week and it could do something. Yeah, so we have a knockout-style uh, cup competition to go alongside our domestic league, sort of like in the football season where where if you're crapping one thing, you are you can be good in the other. Unfortunately, the team I follow at the minute is crapping everything, but that's a different story for a different time. I mean, you could say Champions League. We could, say, we could use Europa League as well. It's got better theme music. <laughs> we were crapping everything this year, so I hope it But yeah, so it gives people more chances to get into our main league uh, and to talk rubbish with the rest of us. So, David, I'm going to ask you, uh, just on week one, the wrestlers, not the participants, who are some mm-hmm. of the big wrestling uh, wrestlers Sorry, this week scoring mm-hmm. highly? And who's someone maybe you think's had a bit of a bit of a poor week? Just a quick two-minute analysis, and then we'll move on to mm-hmm. the rest of the news and look at Backlash. Well, in terms of wrestlers, the big scorer so far is the team of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, who were the second overall pick. Uh, selected by uh, it, they were selected by our listeners league winner Matt Smith. They are currently on twenty one points overall, uh, large part to a successful tag title defense on SmackDown against the Usos. Some of the other big names scoring points we have Solo Sokoa currently on ten. The Usos themselves are on nine points, and then we have Indy Hartwell and Jay White. On set on eight points apiece, Indy Hartwell, of course, defending the women's title at NXT Spring Breaking, but with her being drafted to Raw, she could be forced to drop the title. So it may just be an early surge in points, uh, albeit you know with a, a fresh start on Raw. And we do have some competition as well with a bunch of superstars scoring seven points overall. Well, the likes of Cody Rhodes, Bianca Belair. live this week, but who who do you feel a, a big? pick that get off the board early in this season's mm. draft someone who's maybe been a disappointment in the first week maybe not let the world mm. on fire just one pick uh probably Gunther, i think because before scoring started he defended the intercontinental title against xavier wounds and hadn't appeared on tv since but for good reason because uh he got married this week to nxt uk fellow superstar jenny so, and their pictures have been all over social media. Their wedding's been all over social media. And I think he's just taken some time off just to, uh, you know, obviously get married, probably go on his honeymoon as well. But he's yep. been drafted to Raw with the rest of Imperium, a fresh start. Uh, but yeah, definitely a slow burner for, for real life reasons. Yeah, I think, I don't think that title is going anywhere anytime soon. So whoever has him in our listeners league, don't panic because he will... He will return. Is it you that's got him in the main draft, Dave? I have I have him in the main league and he's my team captain, yeah. 
Right, take a long honeymoon, Gunther. A long, long honeymoon. <laughs> you deserve it, son. You deserve it. But anyway, let's move to uh, from our draft to the real WWE and backlash this coming Saturday in Puerto Rico. The last, uh, the last pay per view where we only have one world champion again in WWE. We're going to get another one. Um, but coming from San Juan, Puerto Rico. Only the second pay-per-view to come from there after New Year's Revolution in 2005. Uh, the main event, the Bloodline versus Riddle, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Uh, Stephen, I'll come to you because we've not really spoke to you about Backlash. Uh, this being your first show since the post-WrestleMania show. It's... It's it's a good match. It's you know we've had the tag title rematch. We've had all the bloodline shenanigans on TV, but it's good that this chapter, especially the Kevin Owens chapter, is now ending with one team going to Raw and one team going to SmackDown. Yeah, I think they kind of had to, you know, do something with it. They couldn't have had it going on. The big moment was at WrestleMania. They've got a wee bit of leg room with it with the um, Matt Riddle being thrown in there. It's a and it, it works quite logically, obviously, because Solo Sokoa was the guy who took Matt Riddle out. So it kind of makes sense for him to be involved that one. And yeah, I'm glad it's not the the thing that we saw with Vince McMahon, where you would have the rematch at Backlash, and you'd maybe have the rematch again at the next pay-per-view. They're doing this one last bit. It's kind of a couple of big names to sell the show, and done. And hopefully the way, the way to do it is we'll get some sort of continuation of this kind of descent in the bloodline. Because that's going to be the main thing, I think, that's going to keep that that train running for the rest of this year until we eventually get to the point where Cody can then go back at Roman again. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you mentioned, obviously, sometimes the Vince McMahon thing would be to run the rematch at Backlash. I always laughed. I always knew when people were being completely removed from a title scene or a feud. Because if you didn't get the rematch at Backlash, you got it at the next night on Raw. And that was a way of saying, we're getting rid of you, and we're getting rid of you quickly. But um, it seems to be we are going to finish this. It will more than likely uh, be the main event. If not, then the main event's more than likely to be, Gary, Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. Um, not exactly a great build to this one. I've, I've not really enjoyed it. Um, I, I don't no, know what to say it. It's not been great. No, it's not. It's kind of like just been there, hasn't it? They had their moment in Raw, and then they've had the the respective promos. They've had the sort of pulling apart segments. I would love to get see if you break down Brock's salary by per minute appearances on TV. That must be some money. Um, see, how long was he on the show for last night? It certainly was less than ten minutes. That whole segment wasn't mm. it. At least a few um, minutes, yeah. I have no doubt, though, Ross, that these two will put on a cracking match on um, on Saturday. Um, but yeah, the build to it has not been great. And with Brock being the free agent, I don't that doesn't exactly give us a hint in what direction that this might go in. Mm-hmm. Because if he was drafted to Raw, we you could maybe assume or speculate that that's going to lead to a continuation of that story. 
all the way through to SummerSlam. However, if we've been drafted to SmackDown, you'd be saying, right, let's, you know, this feud finishes on Saturday. So I'm not quite sure where it's going to go. Um, so I would agree, a lackluster build, but I'm pretty sure they'll put on a cracking show. Something that they are putting an awful lot of effort into building is Lena Vega versus Rhea Ripley, trying mm. their their wrestler cotton socks. They're trying their very best to make Selena look mm. credible next yeah. to next I think to Rhea. They're doing their best to, and Dave, I'll come to you for this because we mentioned uh, rivalries ending. Uh, Rey Mysterio with the LWO going back to SmackDown, all of the Judgment Day going to Raw. This feud will round up, mm. but as Gary says, making Zelina Vega look credible, she's more than le- more than likely becoming a bit of a, a female Rey Mysterio. You know, the, the smaller underdog mm. hitting fast-paced moves and DDTs and doing her best to reverse things. They're building this up, and obviously it's like a bit of a homecoming for Zelina Vega. She's never had the chance to wrestle in Puerto Rico. I can't see anything but a dominant Rhea Ripley win here. Yeah, it doesn't look the most predictable match on the entire card. Like, Rhea Ripley has been nothing but dominant since uh, pre-Royal Rumble when she was rumoured to be winning the match. I mean, not only did she win, she won from number one and went the distance. Like, if that doesn't scream dominance, like, I don't know what does. And how does anybody suspect that with someone with as much momentum behind her as Rhea Ripley, who was drafted first on night two in that pool... Does anybody realistically believe that she's going to lose the SmackDown Women's title to somebody who's who's basically the fifth member of a recently revived faction and hasn't had much chance to shine herself with Rhea getting the upper hand in most of the interactions they've had on the build-up? Like, Zelina just does not seem like any... Like, does not seem like a threat, let alone a credible threat to Rhea losing the title. In fact, I think Rhea's actually getting more fans out of it now with the whole mommy gimmick and her interactions with Dom Dom. But I mean, because Zelina was been a was away for a good while after winning Queen of the Ring, etc. And you know, she disappeared for for a while. So she does need to reinvent herself on SmackDown as part of the LWO a bit more before even considering the notion that she's a credible challenger for the women's championship. A telling thing here was the fact that Rhea Ripley could have went with the Judgment Day and was picked on her own, <clears throat> whereas Zelina Vega mm-hmm. was part of a five-pack. Like it's, she was a bit of a multi-pack pick. Um, I agree with you. Uh, I I can't really see anything other than a, a Rhea Ripley win here. But um, let's talk about the person that should be main event in this pay per view: homosexual chocolate himself. Almost the free agent going up against Seth freaking Rollins. Gary, what was it you described this match as last week? It was vibes of 1996 in your house. And they're still not come together on TV, unless I missed something in Raw last night. They're still not really interacted, have they? They're not. Seth Seth had a bit of a a go with uh, Heyman Sosakoa. He was kind of like the big main event angle. And almost squashed this guy in like five seconds. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Well, is this happening because reasons? Yeah, and I think as well, um, they've done quite well because we spoke about, um, pardon me, we spoke about 
Um, who should be the first world heavyweight champion last week? Seth Rollins was named. They've done their best to have um, Seth Rollins clarify that he's never been beaten by Roman and that Roman's kept him out of the title picture. Uh, they've done well to to have Paul Heyman sort of try to set the problem solver on him and just like shut him up. So, right, say that again. Tyson Tomko. Neither Tyson Tomko. <laughs> um, but uh, it seems like he is the favourite for this new World Heavyweight Championship because he's not someone with a, a loss to Roman against his name. So it really, to me, screams Seth's winning here. But then that now tells me every big match Omos has had, Lashley, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, when he's not fighting jobbers or it doesn't matter, then he wins. But when it comes to these big matches, he's getting a bit of the uh, the old Big Show treatment. Mm-hmm. At least Big Show was good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Big Show improved over time as well. Uh, that that was debatable at times. Big Show was good. Oh I mean, come on! Almost, it's good for the size. Almost just feels like a special attraction just because of his size. Like, like come to this show where you'll see the world's tallest man, seven foot four, and he's going to be in a wrestling match with this big name. Like, how could he poss- How could this established veteran who's won dozens of championships possibly overcome this massive, massive Nigerian giant? Like, it's not like they've done the Big Show angle in the past before. Like, Big Show's in a Royal Rumble. He's probably going to enter later on. How on earth is somebody going to throw Big Show over the top rope? You know, it's it's the same. It's the same logic. You know, anybody against Omos is going to be undersized, but they're not going to be outpaced, out-agiled, or outwitted Before you come back in here, here, Stephen, I'm just going to tell you my favourite Big Show stat which is the, how will anyone eliminate the Big Show? It's never taken more than one person to eliminate the Big Show for Royal Rumble. (laughs) Barack did it two years in a row. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, the, the funny thing with the Omos thing is, I don't know if you guys seen it, there was this TikTok going about of a Vince McMahon AI, like his <laughs> favourite matches. And it was like, uh, it's such and such versus Omos, such and such versus Omos, Omos versus Omos in a steel cage. And they made <laughs> a, a fatal four-way between Omos, Omos, and Omos, and Omos, with special referee, Omos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're all thinking Seth Rollins to win this very pointless match. Oh, he's got to. Mm, he's yeah. got to. He needs, the, he needs the bell that he's putting his name to the World Heavyweight title. It would be quite negative and almost, but I've got to say, his theme music is really growing in me. I quite like that. Yeah, now. I enjoy Did it as well. What? This is good. Uh, so, we have uh, a triple threat match for the now SmackDown United States Championship. Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley both over on SmackDown. So I wouldn't put your money on Bronson Reed now on Raw for this match. 
<laughs> I, I think this is going to be big meaty lads slapping meat while the wily champion tries to pick his moment, Gary. I think you're probably right. I'm curious as to the direction of Bobby Lashley. Um, it feels like a move to the a mid-card title is a step backwards for the Andre the Giant Battle Royal winner. Um, and Austin Theory has a massive upside. He shouldn't be dropping the title just, just yet. But I'm not too sure a feud with a Bobby Lashley's the way he needs to go just now. It's not not how I would book him. No, Stephen. Yeah, I was. Um, I thought when they did Bobby going to SmackDown on um, on SmackDown, uh, funnily enough, uh, <laughs> after after <laughs> would move to Raw, I thought surely you throw a spanner in and you put Bronson Reed to SmackDown. Creates the bit of doubt, and you think, oh, any of these guys can win it. But now that Bronson's on Raw, you're like, right, it's going to be Lashley, and it's going to be Fury. And I personally think now that Lashley's on SmackDown, he has a bigger upside being a, being probably the next challenger to Roman. And then mm-hmm. uh, Austin Fury can then have a good series of matches against a lot of these guys on SmackDown who, let's be honest, there's a lot of people on that roster he's never faced before. It's a bit of freshness for him, which should help him. And I think he retains here easy. I think the next two feuds for Roman, just as a side, are Sheamus and Bobby Lashley. They're my next two. But let's talk about um, a match with two SmackDown superstars for the Raw Women's Championship. So don't get invested in it because they're going to get a shiny blue belt, whoever wins tomorrow. Uh, Bianca Belair versus Io Sky uh, with damage control with her. Guys, I'm going to be honest. I don't give a fuck about this match and it's oh. not because of EO Sky, it's because of Bianca Belair and Bianca Belair is a very good wrestler. Bianca Belair, when she came at the NXT, was this interesting new character. But the thing is the character hasn't changed since twenty eighteen. It's I have long hair and I'm really good. How good? I'm the bestest. I'm the best of the I'm the best of I mean I last match about creating doubt. And losing it when Bronson Reed went to Raw. I was like David Campbell in one of our chats the other day. I thought the minute that Bianca was drafted for a good wee bit, I was like, they're going to put the belt on Eo. They're going to put the belt on Eo. And then like half an hour later, damage control to SmackDown. <laughs> right? I mean, fair, yeah, fair yeah. enough. I mean, at least... Uh, what I liked quite about Raw last night, which I think was quite cool, that they at least had they had Bailey and Dakota Kai in that tag match. Yeah, kind of left Eo on her own, which was quite good as well. But I think them, and I would love you to win this, but I think it's going to be used kind of similar with the Bloodline. It might be more of a dissension between the Damage Control team, but I, I'd love to be wrong because I think Bianca could benefit so much more again with a run without the belt. If you get me. Yeah, I as well, because I remember when Gary, when she lost the SmackDown title to Becky in 16 seconds, that was obviously, the reaction to that was people not letting the storyline play out because we got the payoff at WrestleMania that year. But I'm sorry, see when she lost it in 16 seconds and people like, oh, are reigns done just like that? And you're like, tell me one good part about that reign. (laughs) Tell me. And then 
it just seems to be there's big chunks of if you if you told me the booking for Bianca's yearly um for year long title run didn't tell me who the wrestler was didn't tell me who she was facing you just told me what happened in the feuds and what happened in the matches I would have thought you were talking about a 2006 seven John Cena just this oh it's eight on one but I'm John Cena like that's the sort of way we're getting with Bianca Belair at the minute. Yeah, I mean, the time to end her reign definitely was WrestleMania, and it's hurt both her and Asuka, in my view. Asuka, who had this new coat of paint on, um, suddenly is just, I think she's she's not kicked on from, from Asuka there. Asuka also on SmackDown, by the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. The, you know, if she's... You know, love unless unless you're booking evolution, you're booking for Batista's eventual face turn. The way you go through the heel stable is you take down the henchman and then you get to the leader. Mm-hmm. Whereas she seems to be going through this damage control in reverse order. She takes out the leader first and then you know, so that means we've got a feud with the Porta Tai to come next. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> gets to there. It's um, and uh, I think Stephen touched on this just a second ago. But she was uh, Bianca was trying to sow the seeds of doubt in EO's mind that she didn't need the damage, the other members of damage control that they were holding her back somewhat. But you know, we're also not at that stage of damage control quite yet. I think there's, there are some seeds, but they don't feel like it's a group that need to be disbanded to me. It doesn't feel like it's a group that's run its course, and I don't think we need two storylines running at the same time of groups with dissension within the ranks. We've already got that going on with the bloodline just now. I don't think we need a rated mm. version of it with damage control. Yeah, definitely. David? It was a huge misbooking opportunity to not have all three of them holding championships at some point. I mean, fair play to Dakota and Io, you know, as women's tag champions. I think they actually made the division a lot more interesting following their return. But what I think was a massive, massive misbooking opportunity was Bianca defeated Bailey on three straight pay-per-views, two of which were stipulation matches. And... Why Bailey didn't win the second or even the third one is beyond me because damage control had the potential to run riot uh, for up to WrestleMania season at the very best, or at least continue on. You know, if they could still have done the Trish Stratus heel turn against Becky and Lita, you know, they could have walked out of WrestleMania with a big win. They could have kept the women's tag titles. They could have kept the Raw women's title, etc. But I just feel they've been knocked down a couple of pegs through no fault of their own, which is kind of surprising given, you know, two-thirds of them... Actually, no, but tell a lie. All three of them are, like, black gold NXT originals. You know, and we know how much Triple H loves those kinds of superstars. So, but I think getting EO Sky out on her own, I suppose, is a good thing. Because I'm actually... I said last week on Central that I think this could be the sleeper match of the of the night. Albeit... You know, it may not have had the best build and it feels more like an undercard match. I'm going to quietly hold hope onto it and a little bit of optimism because there's still hope for damage control to bounce back to where they were. But at the same time, Bianca, I think, needs to be knocked out a peg. So a wee bit of role reversal would be ideal at this point. 
Yeah, I think so. I think that title run, as Gary said, WrestleMania was the time to end it, but hey-ho. Um, a San Juan street mm-hmm. fight. Bad Bunny, Damien Priest, Stephen, you mentioned uh, off-air that there's a push for this to be the main event. Um, a bit touch of the Lawrence Taylors at WrestleMania 11 there. Um, I like Bad Bunny. I think he's been harmless mostly in his his role as a WWE guest. I don't want to see a main event. I, I want to see all the chaos that goes with the LWO and Bad Bunny and Judgment Day and massive scraps and table spots and chairs and stuff like that. And I'm looking forward to it. But as a lovely, a wee mid-card palate cleanser, not as the main event. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's spot on. I think give you gotta give credit to Bad Bunny. This is a guy who he headlined Coachella two weekends in a row. But yet apparently being in a match against Miz and John Morrison was the greatest night of his life. <laughs> so you you've really you've you've really got he, he apparently says this on a an episode of Carpool Karaoke the other week with uh, James Corden. Uh, but yeah, he gives his all when he's in there, which is great. I mean, you see some a lot of wrestlers who don't give half the things that he does. But I think the main event, you got to go Cody Brock because that's kind of the, the attraction match, I think, more than anything. But this match could be fun in the middle of the card, as you mentioned. It could be a bit of carnage with it. And WWE just loves putting... A, a, some sort of name in front of street fight to make it sound like it's going to be different. Right. But really, it's just going to be the same street fight in a different area. I mean, I mean, remember the Nigerian drum match? Was that what it was called? Yeah. Between Nigerian drum and fight. Yeah, yeah, that was just a street fight with a drum as a weapon. At least there was a drum there. Ah. Yeah, the drum <laughs> was used like once. Like, one of the things I'd love to know for this match, like Damien Priest, is a big, intimidating-looking dude. Why on God's green earth would Bad Bunny, somebody of who's not a wrestler, who's not a fighter, is also not the biggest guy in the world, why would anybody of that stature want to fight him? Why should any of us believe that Bad Bunny has a hope in hell against this guy? Um, so I, I'm not loving Bad Bunny being against Priest. Bad Bunny versus Dominic... On the other hand, yes, I, I thought totally, that was the I thought that was the man. Totally yeah. got behind it. I'd have totally I thought, got behind that. I thought we were going to have because we mentioned it. Uh, I think it was you, Dave, that picked uh, the LWO as a tag team in the draft. Yeah, and we said it looks like it's going to be Finn, Damian, Dominic against Santos, Ray, and Bad Bunny. But now Santos and Ray are just kind of off to the side. Um, we know they will get involved, no doubt. But, um, mm. yeah, I think a San Juan street fight, a six-man street fight, would have been a lot more entertaining, I think. But I still mm. am kind of looking forward to it. But, I mean, Gary, you mentioned why why would he go after Damien Priest? I mean, you clearly weren't listening on Raw. I mean, Damien Priest's auntie was Bad Bunny's younger brother's school teacher. And, I mean, that sort of bond, I mean, that just unites people for life. <laughs> I get the the story, and of course he put him through the table. But Priest Bunny, I mean that's that's like Jack Graham trying to fight anybody. <laughs> it's just it's just no a, no a fair fight, is it? Uh, 
Jack uh, Graham's yeah. less bad bunny, more rampant rabbit. But anyway, we'll move on <laughs> from backlash. Rampant rabbit without the batteries. <laughs> we'll move on from backlash to our yeah. big question of this week. Uh, sorry, from last week and our big question from this week before we round off the show, guys. So last week we asked who should be the first world heavyweight champion and his wee rabbit ears must have been up because Jack Graham was first in with a comment. <laughs> Graham thinks Finn Balor should be the new world heavyweight champion. Stephen, you posted mm. Seth Rollins as your pick. Uh, Ryan Dalgleish has picked Bobby Lashley. That obviously... Who was that, Ross? Uh, Ryan Dalgleish, yes. Uh... Who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> rampant. A bit less rampant. You know, that's Ryan Douglas. Uh, more bad bunny, but, uh, sorry, less bad bunny, more sad bunny. But anyway, um, <laughs> David Jude said, obviously, you thought Drew McIntyre should get a world title one in front of an audience. David Campbell yeah. with some fantasy booking. He said, Seth and Balor at Night of Champions. History repeats itself, but this time Seth wins. The next, the next night, have Seth called an open challenge. He is beaten down and pinned by Drew McIntyre. Who takes the title off him two nights I mean, later? I, I, I mean, would this is all that. I mean, this is the same guy that once said uh, that John Moxley would return in WWE, and today said that Billy Kay would return as Grayson Waller's manager. So let's take that for a great pinch of salt. Alvin <laughs> uh, Lucas says he wants Drew, but he thinks it's going to be Cody. Callum Bennett says adrenaline in my soul, brand new belt for Cody Rhodes. Um, Kwaku Aji saying wrong title but still yeah and it's a photo of LA Knight with the WWE Championship Andy Mitchell wow. says says Roman Reigns um, John Isherwood says Seth Rollins Anthony Fitzpatrick says I heal Drew McIntyre Adam Callier saying Cody uh, Michael Clothier saying Drew deserves to be collecting a proper belt in front of crowds again provided he's healthy again so a lot of a lot of mixed picks there, guys. Mm. I went Bobby Lashley last week. Clearly, I know all because he's been drafted to SmackDown. I'm very happy with the way they're booking Seth Rollins at the minute, so I'm more than happy for him to get it. But mm-hmm. I asked you this at a uh, before we came on tonight. I want to know, and David, I'll start with you. We'll give each each of these two minutes, and then we'll round up the show. I want to know SmackDown's best pick. I want to know Raw's best pick. I want to know an NXT call-up that will succeed, an NXT call-up that will flop, and the biggest waste of a TV pick. Go. You've got two minutes. Okay. So I think SmackDown's best pick, I'm going to be a little bit generic on this one, but it has to be the Bloodline, the number one overall. Like, they are a massive ratings draw for Fox to get. to get. And I said last week, you know, the network's going to want some input into it as well. There are ratings drawers. The storyline is still continuing. There's a few fractures here and there. Definitely a reason to tune in on SmackDown, and I think that was the right call to draw them all as a as a unit. Raw's best pick, Seth Rollins. You know the guy is massively over with crowds, both in the UK and in Europe. If you'd seen uh, videos from their UK tour and in France, you know the crowd sings his songs for five minutes straight. Uh, Proper solid baby face on Raw and a firm contender for the World Heavyweight title. Definitely another big draw for Raw. Uh, moving on to the NXT picks. NXT call-up that will succeed, I think that's got to be Grayson Waller. You know, the Grayson Waller effect has been running rampant on NXT. He's a massive heat magnet uh, for all the right reasons. He cuts in passionate promos. 
definitely a dark horse for you know making waves of the rising star on smackdown and i can just see him having a feud with la night like that would just be amazing yeah um nxt call up with flop odyssey jones i mean sure he looks impressive but haven't really seen much of him uh during giving his time on black and gold nxt and nxt 2.0 i think that it's too much too soon for him and yeah i don't think he's gonna hit hit it big time and pointless waste of a tv pick i was sort of torn between two here for the male side i'm gonna say rick boogs Again, too soon back from injury. I think he, he should have been more suited as a supplementary pick. And pointless waste of a female TV pick, I'm going to go with Shotzi. Again, not really much happened since Survivor Series, and she's just sort of been kind of there. Uh, not really sure what the direction is for these two, so I think those would be my wastes of TV picks. Ones that would go in line with the, the Tamidas and the Hip Rose, that kind of thing, and the Akiratas I was, you know. Right. Well, uh, Stephen, same to you. Do you need the questions read again or? It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. No, I'm good. I'm good for that. Uh, best SmackDown pick, I'm going to go with Bobby Lashley. I think it will give him a bit of fresh impetus. And as I mentioned earlier on, I think he'll be the man who will probably either next or maybe Ross just convinced me slightly, maybe the next after that to kind of go <laughs> for Roman. Uh, I quite like the idea of the Sheamus one now. He's actually presented it to me as what I'd actually thought about. Uh, Raw, another one Ross will be happy with since he's draft captain, I'm going to go with Shinsuke Nakamura uh, I think it's going to be a bit of fresh uh, again, like Lashley, something fresh for him, a bit of pace to do, I think he'll be one of the outside bets to be in the running for this World Heavyweight title uh, I would love to see him you know, even, not, maybe not win it but maybe close to it uh, NXT succeeds uh, I'm actually going to go with uh, Isla Dawn and Alba Fire. Uh, I think it's a huge uh, leap of faith. I'm not a massive Isla Dawn fan personally, but Kaylee Ray Alba Fire is a fantastic uh, wrestler, fantastic athlete, and I think they could add something unique to the SmackDown or the, the, the main roster women's division. Granted, they don't steal them to Bray Wyatty spookyish. <laughs> I would like to kind of stay away from that. Uh, NXT flop, I'm going to go with Zoe Stark. Uh, she's built like a shit house, but she's as dull as sandpaper. Uh, dull as dishwater, you know. Built like she, a shit house, but has the personality of a shit house. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think she's dull. I think she's boring as anything. And uh, that might be a recurring theme throughout this, for this second, this last question. Uh, worst TV picks, Dave said them. It's got to be Shotzi and Rick Books. Why are they getting put on, you know, at that point in the TV uh, when there's arguably so many better picks like Grayson Waller, Johnny Gargano, uh, even Tegan Knox. Come on, I'm going to stand up for Tegan Knox here. Uh, yeah, who have been you booked can stand on the up for you certainly can't on those gummy names. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll move to you now for your pick. Okay, well, let me just get my repetitive bits out of the way. Wasted uh, TV pick. 
I'm voting for Shotzi as well. Um, on let me do NXT first. NXT success, uh, pretty deadly. I think they're going to do pretty well for themselves here. They have been on a yes, pretty, <laughs> They have been on a pretty steep uh, curve so far. So good luck to them. NXT flops. I mentioned them earlier on. I think it's going to be Kate and Chance and Caden Carter. Uh, two incredibly talented women, but I just haven't seen them being booked strong enough so far in it. So they'll be my NXT shouts. Bit surprised not to see Tyler Bate called up in amongst this batch when you're taking 18 people off the NXT roster. Quite surprised to see he wasn't one of them, which suggests to me he's going to be in for a feature slot on NXT going forward. Best pick for SmackDown, I think this is LA Knight's yeah. time to shine. And on Raw, the, the, the obvious answer for me here feels like Imperium, but it surprised me enormously. Like, in what world does Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler become picks so far down the draft pecking order mm-hmm. as these two are? It's a sign that Shayna Baszler's main roster booking is off, you know, continues to be poor. Uh, the Shayna Baszler NXT version is what we need to get back to with her. And obviously we know that Ronda Rousey, Rousey has been plagued with injury. So hopefully we get to see Ronda and Shayna shine once again. So I'm a big fan of both of them. Brilliant, guys. I'm going to go for best raw pick. I think given the booking and the promos he's cut about the World Heavyweight title, Seth Rollins, I mentioned I wasn't a fan of this new world title. It felt like a placeholder. However, if it's someone that's maybe been kept out of that title picture deliberately, then it builds a very interesting potential Survivor Series match further down the line with Seth Rollins and uh, Roman Reigns. Best SmackDown pick, Dave, you mentioned it as well. The Bloodline, I think... The hot story, it's happened on SmackDown, it's staying on SmackDown, and I'm happy it's going to go back to being contained mm. on SmackDown. Yeah. I think the best NXT call-up, I can't see past Grayson Waller. I really can't. I think he has all the tools there to succeed. Maybe not there yet in, in ring, but certainly, certainly deadly on a microphone. And we've seen him interact with the main roster before, his feud with AJ Styles. Maybe could go back there. A wee honourable mention to OC. I'm happy to see them all together again. Could do without the Mia Yama of it all, but that's a different story. Pardon me. NXT pick that will flop. I mentioned them earlier. Apollo Crews. It's just... It's not worked on Raw. It's not worked on SmackDown. It's not worked as the angry, muscle-bound you know, giant. It's not worked as Mr. Positivity. It's not worked as Mr. Nigeria. It's it's not worked at all. And when it's not working on the main roster, it's not working in NXT. Maybe it's you that's the problem, sort of thing. And biggest waste of a TV pick, Shotzi. I don't know why she hasn't been moved back to NXT yet. She is a good character and someone that fans rally behind. Mm-hmm. However, she clearly isn't there in a in a main roster level yet. But that's just my opinion. 
we could come back on here next week, guys, and three of these people are new champions, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, hey, shows what me know. But anyway, thank you very much for joining us tonight, guys. If you want to get involved in the conversation uh, and answer any of those questions, it'll be going up on our social media pages in the coming week. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, we're on it. It's at Suplex Retweet. We're asking you best and worst draft picks. And if you want to go into more detail, maybe give us a wee bit of fantasy booking like David Campbell did. We're more than happy to hear it. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Stephen Wilson, Gary Kernahan and David Hockney for joining me tonight. Not in our fancy new studio. I'm just looking at your faces and not your entire bodies this week, which really disappoints me. <laughs> Uh, you can interpret that. That came out. Over you can interpret that in so many different ways. I was about to say it came out very Charles Boyle, overtly sexually <laughs> or something. It came out like what Gary said to Tyler Bate when he met him at WrestleMania weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gutted, you know. Th- this being on Zoom has ruined mine and Gary's pre-show pints together. It's just a. Although I did have a lovely pre-show sleep where I dreamt about Gary, so you know that made up for it. Uh, anyway, we have to wait. We have to wait two weeks, Ross, because I'm not on I. next week. I know, I know. Uh, well, uh, God, <laughs> God gives with one hand, and <laughs> gives takes with the other. A bump in the hand is worth two in the bush. Anyway, <laughs> remember you can keep up to date with our listeners' league and our Saturday Draft Live progress. Every week on this show, and of course, in more analysis, Saturday Draft Live, dropping every Saturday afternoon. Dave, Ryan, and Jack, Ryan, Jack, uh, getting into the in-depth analysis, giving you all the details about the Listeners League Cup and our Listeners League and our main league. Uh, and of course, a massive back catalogue, previews, reviews, interviews, all the news, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, and all good Android podcasting sites. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Social Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.